0: Welcome to Vineyard Hopkinton. As we follow Jesus together, we experience the Holy Spirit, create a multicultural community, and pursue Kingdom of God justice. It's great to have you here. I'm glad you're here on this pretty fantastic morning. Given that we haven't had a lot of those, uh, but you've chosen to be here, and I pray that the Lord blesses you for your, you know, commitment to come to the the Lord's house. Uh, so. You know, I know there's a bunch of you that, uh, do not know who I am. And, uh, actually, that's really a good thing. I, I'm, I'm glad that you look at me and you say, yeah, well, how would we know who you are? Um, and that encourages me tremendously, uh, because Stephen and Sarah are doing a really great job. I'm so encouraged, uh, with their effort. Uh, you know, I'm a pastor here. I see what happens behind the scenes. And believe me, uh, there's a lot of hard work and intentionality, but the energy level of Stephen and Sarah is just extremely high. I mean, they just just like, go all the time. And so I'm really delighted that today they're not here. They're actually away at the Vineyard uh, USA National Conference. Once a year, all the Vineyard churches in America get together, and it's a time to just catch up with each other, and to relax. So, uh, you know, if you've joined the church recently, uh, you've connected with Stephen and Sarah, and um, um, that's why you don't know who I am. But I am the founding pastor. Uh, In fact, we started the church uh, this September will be 25 years. So, uh, pretty good milestone that that we've reached. And... You know, honestly, as I said, I'm so encouraged with Stephen and Sarah, the church's in good hands, and they're doing a wonderful job. And it's, you know, week in and week out with quality preaching, uh, quality worship, well-organized. A lot of you are volunteering and serving. Uh, There's just a lot of connection, and uh, Stephen and Sarah have just done a lot about that. Stephen asked me to preach on missions today, so uh, we've been going through series with the king the kings in from you know old testament book of kings and uh but today I want to talk about the kingdom of god uh and specifically missions uh, so I'm passionate about that and uh, my wife Liz and I have really done a lot of missions uh, work travel this year uh we've been to the Dominican Republic with a small team in January in February, I think we were in um, uh, uh, Barcelona, Spain. In, in March, um, I was in South Africa. Uh, mostly, it was primarily vacation, uh, but I, at the back end of that, we did some uh, missions, church work. And then in May, we were in uh, Spain again. We took a team from our church. Many of you uh, joined us, and we were there for, Liz and I were there for just over a month. Uh, So we've done a lot of travel, and I'll share a few pictures as we get to the end of the sermon. But to try and understand missions and uh, what it's all about, sometimes it's good to just sort of pan back a bit and see God's big plan and big picture, and not only what God's big plan and big picture is, but how God wants each one of us to be part of what it is that he's doing on planet Earth at this particular time. Uh, so, you know, if, you, if you're doing a jigsaw puzzle, uh, sometimes you don't get to see the big picture. Uh, you're just trying to figure out, like, how does this one piece fit and connect with the next piece? And sometimes that's the way it is when we're trying to figure out, God, will you use me? Uh, where do I belong? How do I like, connect? You're like one puzzle piece, just like, where does it fit? And where am I going to feel comfortable? But it is kind of nice, if you can, to see the panoramic view of like how your piece fits into the big picture. Because for people like me, that just makes sense. Uh, it's inspiring. And so if I had to sort of do a thumbnail sketch, uh, which is pretty difficult, of the whole Bible and and of uh, God's work on planet Earth, uh, you would see that God created the world. But He didn't create it uh, to be run independently. He wanted to have relationship with humans. Created us in His image. And has made uh, numerous uh, attempts to help us to connect with God. And he chose the, the Jewish people as a people group to represent him. And the big plan was that they would follow Jesus, uh, follow God, love God, and everybody in all the other nations would say, man, we want in. We want, to, we want to know that God. But we know how the story went, and it didn't go according to plan because humans tend to uh, make mistakes. We'd call it sin. And so it separates us from God. But meantime, God knew all along that this is our nature. And he had to come back and say, listen, I really love you. And I really want to have a relationship with you. And I really do want to know each one of you personally. And so Jesus, like supernaturally, comes to planet Earth. And he says, listen, I am fully God. But I'm also human so that you can relate to me and identify with me. And by the way, I've just fulfilled all these promises in the Old Testament, and I'm going to do something new, which is why we call it the New Covenant or the New Testament, because Jesus is saying, I want to have relationship with you. And then, of course, Jesus came so that he could expand or proclaim the kingdom of God, tell us what our part is in it, uh, establish the church, and then he died, and then he rose again. And then when he rises again, he kind of communicates the same message. And then you've got the Apostle Paul, and he sort of embodies this all, and he gets out and gets going with starting churches and doing missions and going to different cultures and different places and uh, figuring out how do I uh, take this message to other people. And as we read through the book of Acts, it's pretty exciting. And you start seeing how God is doing all sorts of fun things and how he's using regular, ordinary people. But at the same time, uh, the Apostle Paul picks up all sorts of flack and resistance, so it's not like easygoing. But God's plan is advancing. The kingdom is advancing and God is winning. And the ultimate plan is that Jesus is going to return and he will return on planet Earth and we will have relationship with him and it'll be sort of like it was back in the Garden of Eden where, you know, Adam and Eve were tending the garden. They had something to do, but they got relationship and connectivity with God, and it's paradise. There's no more pain. There's no more suffering. And so we're looking forward to that time. But in the interim time, uh, God has given us uh, what is called the Church Age, which is a time for us to uh, tell everybody about the kingdom of God. So that in a snap shut is sort of one way of summarizing the Bible. But when the Apostle Paul goes and starts all these churches, he's forever starting or ending his letters with greetings. Hey guys, a greeting from Paul and whoever else is with them. And there's a sort of sense that the Apostle Paul is connecting different churches and just making sure that they understand that they related or at least connected to the church in Jerusalem or each other. And so, in a similar way, I've got a a fantastic uh, video for you. This thing is super long, uh, so you're going to watch this. Uh, No, I'm being, uh, I'm joking. This thing is super short. Uh, You know, because there's always pressure in church, especially with Stephen. Like, they do a lot of great videos. And so, if ever I give Stephen a video like, mm, 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 eight seconds. So, this one, like, beats his recommendation. There's only four seconds. So, if if you blow your nose, you're going to miss it. But uh, here is uh, the the church in Barcelona, Spain, and they are sending a greeting to you guys today here in Hopkinton. So uh, let that roll, Tracy. Hello, Hopkinton! Okay, that was it. (laughs) (laughs) Stephen will be very proud. He'll be watching. He's like, that's it, short videos. Love it. Yeah, so anyway, that's a Hopkinton uh, greeting from, uh, from, uh, from Spain. Yeah. Do, you want to, do you want to see it again? No, I want to give them one. Oh, give them one. Oh, I don't have it on my phone. That's what I normally do. I normally take a photograph and then send, send them a video. But uh, yeah. All right, let me pray. Uh, and I'm going to pray uh, the Lord's Prayer, or should I say the first few verses of the Lord's Prayer, because it's pertinent to what I want to share today. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I just pray that we can experience the reality of this prayer, that we don't just say it you know, routinely, but we actually connect somehow or other that you want us to experience your kingdom as it is in heaven on earth. And Lord, you're asking for your kingdom to come and that your reign will be experienced and felt. So Lord, I just pray as I'm preaching today that you would speak to us and show us what is our role, how do we connect, uh, what is our part in in advancing your kingdom, experiencing your kingdom, having your kingdom come. So Lord, just empower my words uh, in your name, Jesus. Amen. You know, one of the uh, challenges when you got uh, like the Lord's Prayer, which you just have learned, and then you start reading it in a, sort of the contemporary form of the Bible, it just doesn't seem so great. And so as uh, folks get older, you know, older folks tend to like tradition and routine, and younger folks generally, not always, tend to like to do things their own way. And I remember doing a funeral in my naivety, and I said, uh, to the family, look, I'm going to read the Lord's Prayer, but I'm going to just do it from the New Living Translation. And this one person just erupted. She said, absolutely not. I said, oh, oh this, there are really strong opinions about this. But anyway, here it is um, from the New Living Translation. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One of the benefits of reading it in a different translation is you kind of, the the words jar you a little bit because it's not just routine and makes you think about it. But this idea of God saying, this is how he wants us to pray. God wants us to be partakers, to be active uh, in what it is that he's doing today in the world. And it's an invitation for us uh, to, to join him. So, uh, you know, I, <clears throat> I am pretty passionate about the kingdom of God, uh, the teaching about the kingdom of God, the Vineyard Movement uh, really spends a lot of time explaining what does this mean, the kingdom of God, because this is what Jesus would preach about and teach about on and on and on. And if you read through the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, those three, you'll notice the kingdom of God comes up a lot. And if you try and analyze what is Jesus saying or meaning by the kingdom of God, particularly the tenses, is it future, is it present, is it near, is it about to happen? And you'll quickly realize it's all of that, which is what makes it intriguing and uh, really helps you to read it again and again to see, well, what is Jesus actually saying? So uh, I encourage you to note that. But I am saying this, if you want to be used by God, You should join uh, in the things that Jesus is passionate about. And Jesus is passionate about advancing the kingdom of God and the church. Or should I say, Jesus is passionate about advancing the kingdom of God via the church. And if you want to be used by God, get excited about the things that Jesus is excited about and partake in the things that Jesus is doing, which is advancing the kingdom. Uh, via the church, and that gives us a tremendous amount of uh, opportunity uh, to serve in different capacities, whether it be, you know, in missions, which I want to talk about now, or you know, in the church generally. Because this is, this is the uh, the instructions from the Lord for the church is to go into all the world and make disciples, uh, and so that's what we're doing. But let's just get this sort of thread here. Uh, how Jesus went about things, and how this sort of should be the way we keep following these. This thought, right in the beginning, Jesus gathers his twelve disciples, and he he says this in Luke chapter nine. I'm all over the Bible today, so I'm just going to uh, read. But in Luke chapter nine, it says one day Jesus called together his twelve disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he said to them, uh, then, he, then he sent them out to tell everybody about the kingdom of God and heal the sick. Okay, so Jesus prays for them. He says, go and do this. And they're enthusiastic because they've been hanging out with Jesus. But then there comes this moment which we all face. It's like, wait, I need to do that? And how exactly am I going to heal the sick? Uh, and how exactly am I going to demonstrate, preach, tell everybody about the kingdom of God? Uh, Jesus, did you notice that I'm not you? And and so the disciples go off and they basically fail dismally. And Jesus is like, good job, good job. He doesn't say, don't do it. Uh, in fact, he gathers more disciples and later on the next chapter, in Luke chapter 10. It says, Now the Lord chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places He planned to visit. Jesus was strategic. He was going to advance the gospel. He's going to go to all the other towns and places and He sends these guys out in front of them with these instructions. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom, is, the kingdom of God is near you now. Okay, notice the tense. The kingdom of God is near you because Jesus is about to come to these towns and he's telling them the kingdom of God is near. So the 72 go out and they have a similar experience. Like, what? What do you want me to do? Yeah, well, if you want to be used by Jesus, do the things that Jesus is doing and obey what Jesus is saying we should do. Uh, Jesus does not say it's going to be super easy and he does not say it's going to be super comfortable. But he does say it's going to be great. And you'll be, you'll enjoy the process. Then Jesus dies and is resurrected. And uh, he meets with the disciples again. And he says this in the book of Acts chapter 1. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So basically... Uh, the way some have understood this is, look, the most important area is Jerusalem or the place that you planted in. So for me, when we started this church 25 years ago, it's like, this is where we live. You are the people that we, we want to connect with. So this is the most important place in God's kingdom, advancing his plan. It's where we are. But it doesn't just stay with this area. It's also a sort of a mandate to think about surrounding areas and all the way to the ends of the earth well let me tell you when you're starting a church these are pretty overwhelming instructions it's like it's hard enough just to get like the church going leave alone have like space in your brain to think about like the you know the ends of the earth and other people but this is god's plan god is always stretching us it's always bigger than we think it is so the vineyard uh as i just said in the intro is a church planting movement uh, within... It started in California and grew throughout the states. It grew pretty quickly in the early stages. And uh, then it grew really quickly from here. It started in Southern Africa. And boy, are the Vineyard Church is healthy and doing great in Southern Africa. And they just gone from South Africa all the way up, um, just like massive numbers. Uh, really impressive. And then there was a great connection in the UK. And um, that's where the vineyard really got roots. But today, the vineyard is all over the world. It's strong in Central America and South America. It's also surprisingly strong in a lot of the Muslim countries. So um, there is a missions focus to the vineyard. We're a, a church planting movement. And so when we do... Missions. We're thinking like, okay, how do we start other churches? How do we plant? How do we get local people in foreign countries to be the leaders of a church in the area? That's that's the goal. But let me uh, let me ask this question: Why should we be motivated to do this? What motivates us to want to plant a church or to do missions? And, uh, you know, the the first sort of knee-jerk response would be, well, out of obedience to what God has told us to do. We just see the way He treated His disciples. He's given us the Great Commission. So, like, get on with it. And so it's in obedience to God's Word. And I'd say, well, that's one of three things. But I think there's something which is perhaps more sort of uh, compelling Something that I think we really need to just spend a little bit of time talking about that motivates us to do these things. And that is this God loves us. And when we've experienced God's love, we get transformed. We are different people when we are really loved by God. There's a sense of comfort, there's a sense of security. There's a sense of somebody actually understands me. And there's a sense of, man, I know I'm different to everybody else and I've got different like quirks and interests and whatever, but God actually made me this way. And there's a comfort in that. And there's a comfort in experiencing God's love. You know, it says this in uh, 1 John, 1 John four nineteen. We love each other because He first loved us. And I don't want to, I don't want to just jump over this because we, we take this for granted. It's like, yeah, it's kind of obvious, but it's, but it's absolutely fundamental. It's absolutely fundamental that we each, each one of us experience God's love for us. We really, you know, to, to obey somebody afterwards is secondary. I mean, it's similar to like if you're training, doing a dog, doing obedience training. The way that this thing works is the dog needs to love you. I mean, the dog needs to... You need to have some sort of relationship with your dog. You need to, like, love your dog, and the the dog needs to somehow be connected with you. And then the dog wants to obey you. And so you do treats and whatever not to to get it going. But if you have no interest in dogs and no love for dogs, it's just not going to go well. In a similar way... If we experience God's love, our natural response is we want to love Him back. And we want to do things that please God because it's, it's pleasing to Him and it's rewarding for us. So I think if, if we're going to do church planting, the motivating factor is, sure, obedience to the Word of God. But I also say it's understanding that God has loved us. And out of this love, there's a desire for us to tell other people about this God this is a wonderful thing when we can tell others and see their lives changed or transformed by the love of God. And yes, it's totally mysterious because we have no ability to change somebody else. And heaven forbid, if you try it, it doesn't go well. But when God does it, it goes really well. Uh, And it's super freeing and it's encouraging. So... Uh, yeah, so the three things I'd say is obedience to God, understanding God's love and the desire to want to love others. And I do agree, it does need a sense of calling. Uh, not everybody's got the similar interests, but there is a sense of, of calling. And uh, I think it's, that's important. Uh, I also want to just pause for a second and talk about the church. Or more importantly, God's love for the church. Or Jesus' love for the church. Believe me, I am a pastor. And I can tell you many horror stories about the church. Including horror stories of my lack of perfect leadership. And anybody that's been on the board of any time is like, Oh Rob, really? You know? okay we'll pray for you again you know but believe me jesus it's a mysterious thing uh, you feel very human often leading the church jesus loves the church now we get it that jesus died for us but what people don't get is that jesus died for the church and there's a sense of no jesus died for me personally oh yes he did But when we say Jesus died for the church it's like I don't know the church has done a lot of bad things. And I I agree the church has done a lot of bad things. And I sympathize with folks that have been hurt by the church. And I repent about people that I've hurt in the church. Uh, It's a weird thing that Jesus has designed this thing that he's going to do it through the church and the church is going to be run by humans and we're going to have the help and the experience of the Holy Spirit doing it with us. Listen, it is mysterious, but what I am saying is, if you've got bad opinions about the church, yeah, I can understand. Deal with the hurt, but some or other. It's like, I mean, how do you say to Jesus, Jesus, I really love you, and Jesus says, Yeah, but I really love my church. Well, I hate the church, but I really love you, and she's like. Yeah, but I love the church. And then you say, yeah, well, I couldn't care less about your church. I just love you. And she's like, well, if you hate my church, it's like saying, look, I like you, but I hate your kids, man. I just really hate your kids. Can we just like visit without your kids? You know, it doesn't go too well with a parent. They're like, eh, you know, I kind of love my kids. And if you say you hate my kids, yeah, well, well, that's how Jesus feels. And, and honestly, I've had to wrestle with this a lot. Like, okay, so I prefer certain churches. I actually love visiting churches. I like the church generally. Uh, I love the different styles and the way people go about it. I love to see the supernatural work of God happening through ordinary churches. Uh, let me just pause here for a second and read a, a scripture verse on this. In Ephesians, and I'm going to summarize this, pulling out the pertinent parts. Ephesians 5 25 through 27. Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. And very quickly, we see a parallel. Okay, God loved us. He's washed and cleansing us through the cross. He died, he did this, to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Okay, I agree, we've got a long way to go. But this is God's plan. And you know what? It's similar to God's plan for you. He looks at you and he says, Listen, I see you without blemish and without fault and, and I've forgiven you. And also remember that when Jesus return returns, the church is no more. We don't need it anymore. Jesus will be with us. So Jesus is saying this perfect church is like what Jesus is expecting the church to be. And it's a mystery because it's easy to see the carnal side of the church. I guess... If you look at John 17:23, Jesus saying he's praying to God before being crucified, and said, "Man, can we have unity? Can the whole world see that uh, you and I love each other because there's unity within the believers and within the churches? And uh, it's a challenge for us to see the churches as you know in unity and not in competition, and not how we differ from each other, but what we have in common with each other." and uh, i'm preaching to myself because it's it's man it's been years where i've like i don't like this i don't like that Uh, i like that but you know it's like no but jesus loves the church what i'm trying to say in a long roundabout way is the kingdom of god is advancing and it's advancing through the church and god is doing it through all types of churches and if you want to be used by god Getting to what God is into, which is advancing the kingdom of God through the church. And I am a big fan of missions work being done through the church. For me, missions organizations that are independent of the church are are, are plan B. I mean, I think God's still using them, but I don't think it's plan A. I think plan A is that it goes through the church. Now, here's the challenge. When uh, you the lead pastor, you've got to live within a budget, the reality of running any organization, and you've got to decide how much money you're going to put towards missions or towards outreach or towards anything that you're passionate about. Uh, And it's a challenge, uh, particularly because the outreach projects and the missions projects are super expensive. And so one of the leaders in the vineyard came up with a wonderful solution to this challenging problem he says how about if a whole group of vineyard churches work together uh, and focus on a particular country so in spain uh, there's a bunch of churches that all contribute a little bit of money so that they can send a few people and make it affordable because it's pretty difficult for a small church to cover the big cost of doing missions okay that's just like some inside speak just so that you know uh And I really uh, admire Stephen and Sarah because they got a a pretty um, sort of an advanced understanding of running church, uh, and it's 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 truly wonderful because it is a challenge. Uh, you know, if the if the missions organisation or the outreach organisation grows big, it grows big not only financially but it grows big with leaders and whatever not. And there's a balancing act, like. You don't want the tail wagging the dog. You want the church to be healthy and for a healthy church bell to do the things that a church can do. And that's the challenge of the, the senior pastor uh, and the board is to see how that can, that can be. So uh, that's just a little bit of inside thought. Let me just uh, <clears throat> elaborate one more time. So, how does one go about uh, being a missionary or being a church planter? I think it's, firstly, uh, experiencing this love of God and wanting it for others. I think, secondly, it's the Great Commission. this, This just captivates you. Here's something I think we should all take a note of. Certain verses in the Bible will just resonate with you, and they'll just come up with you again and again. You see, for me, these verses of the Great Commission resonate with me and they just come up again i get passionate about it it's like god breathing life into me now if the other verses in the bible that do that for you you should note that and you should say god what are you saying to me in this why am i passionate about these verses or why does this verse keep coming up again and again and as i've explained i think mission should be done through the church but the last one is calling now here's a strange thing there's one verse in the Bible, or it's actually two verses, Ephesians four, eleven and 12. God spoke this verse to me again and again and again. And I, I could not understand the idea of being a pastor. It just was so foreign to me. I was in finance. I loved doing finance. But God was calling me into the, into, into the ministry. And finally, I said, God, I, I'm not equipped. I'm not the right person. I've got a lot of reasons why I don't want to do this. But you keep telling me this verse. It keeps coming up. And I, I said to God, if, if, if you speak this verse to me clearly, I will obey you. Because it was, God is was turning up the heat. And I went down to a breakfast downtown Boston, Christian businessman's breakfast. And the preacher stood up and he said, today I want to preach on... And it was like time paused. Because I knew he was going to say Ephesians 4. And he says, Ephesians 4. And then I knew he was going to say, verse 11. And he said, verse 11 and 12. Through verse 12. And I'm like, oh no. (laughs) The hair stood up on my arms. And then the guy does something which is totally weird because it was an Episcopalian guy. He says, I want to read out of this book. It's by some guy. None of you have heard of it. He's called John Wimber, who's like, one of the founding guys of the vineyard. And it's called Power Evangelism. And I was like, oh, God, you've got a sense of humor, man. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. I went back. I, I spoke to the president. I said, I resign. I'm starting the church. I mean, that, that's the way we, I did it. I mean, totally like nobody's going to tell you to start a church that way. But when God has called you, you just like follow the calling. All right, so uh, let me just finish up here with a, a few um, slides, a few photographs so that you can uh, kind of get this. <coughs> All right, let me uh, pick, pick this up. So here we are. This is January. We're in the Dominican Republic, and I'm eternally thankful for Lucille, who uh, was li- living down there as a missionary, and Bernadette, her daughter, was working on staff for me, And she said, how about we do a missions trip down to the Dominican? I thought that was a great idea. I wanted to plan churches. Everybody else wanted to do Feed the Poor and do workshops and whatever people's passions and giftings were. And uh, lo and behold, uh, we uh, started the church down there, and I think it's been going for about 17 or 18 years. And this is a physical building. There's my wife preaching, and I think that's Hilda, um, the pastor's mother, uh, translating interpreting and um, many of you have paid for that building to uh, be built all right tracy next slide oh there we got denoid there's my traveling uh, missionary buddy uh denoid always uh, comes to many of these crazy adventures with me and here we're doing baptisms in the dominican republic uh wonderful okay How do you like this fancy vineyard church? I I actually love visiting this vineyard church. La Viña in Spanish means the vineyard. And so this church is a church plant from the church that I started in the Dominican Republic. And sitting on the wall with me there is Morena. She's the pastor of the vineyard in a town called Montiano. And this is the church that they planted. And this church is only for kids. Uh, it's just for kids. No adults. And uh, next slide. This is the area. This is the village where they're all, It's pretty poor. And the kids are super like fun and happy. All right. Next. Uh, on the left there is the guy in the green shirt. His name is Aluterio. He's the pastor of these kids. And he's just really passionate about these kids and and raising them. And this church, the physical building, was actually done by a missions group that came down from one of the vineyards in Maine. Okay, next. Okay. Here's the opposite extreme. How do you like this fancy church? Now I'm in another continent. Now we're in Spain. And uh, this was one of their fancy festivals. And I was just floored showing up up to church. And, you know, I show up in my usual sort of wealth-cultured outfit. And I'm like, wait, I'm feeling a little out of place here. These people are really dressed up. But again, I see church in all different ways, in different places. And you see God moving. This guy. um, No, I was going to tell you a story, but I'm out of time. This guy was instrumental in us understanding this little town, this little village that we we visited uh, god had given me a dream to go to this town called osuna and to stir it up so i didn't know anybody in osuna we got to osuna this guy um man he, he really helped us out a lot he's a english teacher in a catholic school and it is just a great story i'll tell you about it another day all right this is a this is pastor paco and elizabeth this is cordova this is the vineyard church uh in Cordova, the southern part of Spain. Next. This is Lisbon and uh, Matthias. Uh, Next. Oh, I've got to tell you this story because this is fun. So we went down to Malaga to help with the church plant down there. And the guy, this guy owns the Airbnb. So he meets us there at the Airbnb. And he says to me, like, why are you guys staying for so long? Six weeks. I normally have tourists come in and out. And I said, no, we're going to volunteer and work with the church. And so as soon as you say that, then people tell you all sorts of, you know, religious stories. And he said, yeah, my cousin likes to go up on the mountains and meditate. And apparently it's like super cool and whatever not. And so I said, well, you know, what about Jesus for you? Ah, yeah, you know, whatever. So I said to him, listen, can I pray for you? And he said, yeah, sure. So he, I don't think he was expecting me to pray for him right then and there. But I started praying for him right then and there. And I prayed for him that he'd experience the love of God. And next moment he starts shaking and he looks up and all the hair is standing up on his arm. I mean, you can physically see it. And he says to me, what's going on? What's going on? I said, wait, wait, wait. Is this a good feeling or a bad feeling? Oh, it's marvelous. It's marvelous. I said, we're praying to experience the love of God. Anyway, so that was a good... See, we we become good friends. And this our recent trip uh, to Barcelona. We were worshiping and praying out in the public. Uh, you, You might recognize a whole bunch of folks from the church next tracy uh next we're doing a baptism uh one of the vineyard churches in barcelona doing a baptism they do it publicly at the beach it's quite a thing when you show up the beach and everybody's topless and uh, you're going to do a baptism but that's (laughs) that's another story for another day okay uh next uh, this is a, us doing a Bible study in Malaga at the at the beach. I like to do Bible studies out in the public at the beach. We did worship; it was awesome. It was a wonderful night. Next, uh, this is the pastor in another vineyard church called Villanova de la Getrú. Uh, it's outside of Barcelona, and they got a little church. They're doing great. Next, oh, and this is finally this is in South Africa, um, a church that we helped get going down there. So, uh, yeah, that's missions, guys. Uh, it, there's a lot to it. But um, I want to have the worship team come on up. Let me just reiterate what I said to you. What scriptures are pertinent for you? Which ones are resonating with you? Take notice of them. Read them again and ask God, God, why are these particular scriptures so pertinent to me? And God, what is it that you're doing in me or what is it that you're asking of me, how do I uh, participate in what you're doing with these particular scriptures that are so pertinent for me? Because this is the way you'll feel like where you plug in and what gives you life and what you'll find extremely rewarding and enjoyable.